Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the Flack, where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage, people don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Kimberly, Pastor Joel Smikowski. What is happening? Hey, wow. I am excited. I feel the energy coming off of you. I am ready for today's topic. We have been waiting. We are on a journey. Yes, we're here. Yes, man. Today, our topic is God's nature, the non-contradictory answer. Woo, yes. So, Pastor Joel, will you do us the honor of giving us the background of this topic? It is my honor. I've been chopping at the bit. It's been one of the hardest things of my entire life. My life hasn't been that hard to not teach about this in the previous five episodes. Oh, I, I, you know what? I don't, I totally believe you. Yeah, it was tough, but it is. It's really tough. We're here and I think it was worth it. I'm glad we did it the way we did. But yeah. What we've seen over the last five episodes We've seen why we need to be able to define God's nature specifically. There are two needs that exceed all the others. First, the only way to avoid idolatry is to be able to objectively know if I am worshiping the wrong God. Every idolater actually believes they're worshiping God because it feels right to them. Hmm. So idolaters aren't trying to commit idolatry. They hmm. think they're worshiping the right God, but their measure is not objective. Their measure is a feeling. And so and, something that is something that is objective is something that can be like measured or there's proof outside of oneself. Right. Yes, exactly. Awesome. And second, we've seen Tozer and C.S. Lewis warn us all the way back in the early 60s, that going without an explanation for God would cause the church to go into eclipse or a decline. We even saw a Newsweek cover story from 2009 titled The End of Christian America. And this article confirmed this point that C.S. Lewis and Tozer made, and it even identified the cause of the church going into a decline the godless Christianity movement. Hmm. And with that, we saw in 1969 that the church in America decided to go without an orthodox explanation for God. And people who became pastors after 1969 actually believe that the church shouldn't be able to define God. That's our <laughs> peers. The people who wow. are pastors like you and me, Pastor yep. Jonathan, yep. grew up in this culture of the church actually believing that we shouldn't be able to define God and embracing the godless Christianity movement has led to people leaving the church. Wow. So how have people been hurt by this in the church? Well, I really want to encourage everybody. If you, if you haven't listened to the last five episodes before you listen to this one, please do so. Because we're going to be making some bold claims here. Or they may appear bold, 
to people who haven't listened to the previous five. Mm. We've seen it in the last five episodes, we've covered multiple ways that the church has hurt people as it relates to the doctrine of God. Who is God? What's he like? What's his nature? So this, this episode, I'd like to just add the following. And before you do that, PJ, I just want to, I, I just want to send an additional warning out there to anyone that hasn't heard the first five. We have been on a journey. Yes. So to jump in, in this episode and listen to it is you're, you might take things out of context, right? We don't want you to listen to this podcast and freak out because we've been on a journey. We've been, this is what we call closing gates. Nice. We've said, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this, it's not this in a strategic way. Right. So we're putting this information out there, um, you know, for people, we want to help people. We don't want to cause any damage and one of the ways that we've approached this issue is strategically and patiently. Right. So we invite you to do the same thing. If you're picking up the podcast in this episode, go back to, go back to the first one in the series. It's, yes. It will not disappoint. It will be exciting. And this episode will be in high def, right. you know, th- 3d. So because yeah, everything thank you i appreciate the emphasis there because everything yeah. we're going to say in this episode is supported through things we've said in the previous five so um we and this is why we one of the reasons we went on this journey is because this episode would have either been ineffective because we wouldn't have covered everything or it would have just been way too long of an episode if we didn't cover the last five topics so Assuming you've listened to them, what I'll add to this episode is this. Acts 2.42 identifies four causes of church. The causes that were really underlying the success of the Acts church. The church we all want to be like embrace these four causes. Their fellowship, prayer, breaking of bread, and the apostles' doctrine. Now, I think every church would say they have all four of these yet. We don't see the signs and wonders of the Acts church today in the church in America. So is it possible we don't have all four Mm. notice you can objectively prove that you have three of these. However, when a church avoids objectively stating their doctrine for God's nature, they actually are proving that they're misleading people wow right so how do these people support their position in the bible well we saw that these people attempt to to use the bible to prove that god is omnipresent omniscient and omnipotent the three omnis and then they support that explanation with the doctrine of sovereignty While they try to point these concepts out in the Bible, we showed that not only are these concepts not in the Bible, the Bible actually contradicts these concepts. Let me clarify. It contradicts these concepts in the way that these people define these terms. Nice. For example, according to these people, God being omnipotent means God can do anything. That's the all-powerful on me, right? Right. 
Yet the Bible says in several places that it's impossible for God to lie. That's a contradiction. God can do anything, but God can't lie. But lying, lying is definitely a thing. It is, it is <laughs> something, and it's something God can't do. So although God may be omnipotent, the doctrine of omnipotence is not defined the way these people define it. It can't mean that God can do anything. Hmm. So if someone was coming towards me with this perspective, how would I argue against this? What's, what's the actual issue going on here, Pastor Joel? The issue is that these people have made a God. And, and if you could see me right now, I'm putting up little quotes. Little G God. They've made a little G God in their own image. So what these people do is they project all the attributes and characteristics that they want for themselves onto God. And then they think they're honoring God by giving him their flawed concept of what the creator in the, of the universe is. Hmm. So this belief, God can do everything, even lie, leads these people to blaming God and not realizing it just like Job did. Hmm. Job made outlandish statements when he was in the middle of his journey, in the Hmm. middle of his suffering, Hmm. not knowing that the implication of the statements he was making ultimately blamed God for what he was going through. And in these, so ultimately these people in their attempt with these issues of defining God according to the omnis, defining God with all these contradictions, in their attempt to not be wrong, they've created a religion by making it too complex. Wow. So we have, it's no wonder we have people in the church teaching that God's too big to understand because the church is teaching complex, flawed definitions for who God is. Mm. Yeah, we can't understand the God you're that you've created that you've defined but we can understand the god of the bible the true god who we're going to understand more and more as we go through this episode wow that's like saying that you know the the biggest god is an is an ununderstandable god right but that would be the biggest god yeah is the one that's the that's the most confusing yep we saw it we saw C.S. Lewis in a previous episode in this miniseries. He said that the answer to God's nature ought to be simple enough to understand because it covers the causes, yet wide enough to cover God's infinite effects. So notice it would cover the effects. It doesn't state every effect. Hmm. The model for God doesn't state his causes and every effect it states the causes that cover every effect. However, man-made religion always tries to cover the causes by making the causes more complex. Mm. So we lump the causes and the effects, and we call it the causes. And the Bible shows men doing this, and actually the first time it happened was with Adam. Nice. We saw God gave Adam what we call a conjunctive. And it's this, you can eat from any tree you want, 
That's the freedom. Except the tree of knowledge. That's the limitation. So we see there is a freedom and one limitation, or what we like to refer to in these what the fuck episodes is there's the loose side, right? The loose side is eat from any tree you want. And then there's one strict rule. The strict side, one strict rule is accept the tree of knowledge. Nice. And you know how we always give an ultimate answer at the end of these episodes? That's a conjunctive. The ultimate answer for Adam and what to eat in the garden was eat from any tree you want, except the tree of knowledge. And then we see the serpent talk to Eve. What's the serpent say to her? What hath God said? Mm -hmm. So he questions her understanding of what God told them. Her answer, she said, we can't eat or touch the tree. That's two. That's two strict <laughs> rules. That's two limitations. Huh. He added another limitation. Here's the idea, right? That we do as humans. We think adding another limitation, adding another strict rule will actually help us. It'll make God's ultimate answer better. You know what? If I'm not supposed to eat of that tree, why not just say, don't even touch it? Well, that's not what God said. Mm. How are you going to care for that tree if you can't touch it? Because it was still Adam's job to care for the, the plants and all the stuff in the garden, right? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. So Eve adding this other strict rule, this other limitation, pulled her out of the conjunctive of truth. It pulled her out of this ultimate answer that God gave them for what to eat in the garden. And really what it was, was an example of her creating her own religion. Wow. And it's really how the serpent knew he could deceive her because she'd already deceived herself. Wow. So this is really the way that we determine if someone has the truth, if someone has this ultimate answer, this contextless answer in a certain area, is if their definition fits a conjunctive. Now I'll say this, if you want, if, if you're listening now and you haven't listened to any of our Malk podcast episodes, we do deep dives of what we're talking about now. And we get more into some of the, the why, the doctrine behind all the things we're saying here. Mm. And we have supplementary teachings explaining this stuff as well. So if you want to learn more about conjunctives, I would recommend listening to the Malk podcast as well. But ultimately what we're seeing here is that going back to C.S. Lewis's point, C.S. Lewis was looking for a conjunctive. Let's address the causes that account for the effects. If someone states more than one limitation or more than one strict rule in these conjunctives, like Eve did, then I can look for the contradiction. There will be a contradiction. Mm. So for instance, I could say, so Eve, if a branch on the tree of knowledge brushed against your arm, would that be a sin? Oh, there's a windstorm. Oh no, the windstorm. The wind blew the yeah. branch into my arm. Uh-oh. Yep. So that's the danger of having an extra limitation, having more than one, having more than one strict, strict side rule. And then on the other half, there's if there's no limitations at all, if there's no strict side, if it's all the loose side, all freedom, 
then really what Eve would be doing is putting two limitations on everyone else. And this is when we ask a type of question. We call it flipping the pronouns, these types of questions that are asking the person, like for instance, asking Eve, would it be okay if when I, when I interacted with you, if I didn't have any limitations on myself? So flipping the pronouns being like you with me, her with him, like that, that type of, that's like yes. a pronoun switch. Right. So I take your scenario, I flip it around and say, so if someone's doing something to me, I can say to them, I can flip it and say, would you be okay if I did that to you? Yes. That's amazing. So, whoa, Pastor Joel, you just pulled the curtain back on our ultimate answer. I we did. Are, we are, we're, we're teaching our, what the flock listeners about conjunctives. Yep. Seeing what the, all this loose and strict and ultimate answer stuff really means. Right. So again, it's, it's the, it's freedom with one limitation or, you know, the loose perspective with one strict rule. Right. That's what, that's what a conjunctive is. And it does, um, it does, I, in my experience, it took me a little while to kind of get it and understand how to put a conjunctive together. Right. But, but when, once I did, it was like, I, I couldn't not see things in a conjunctive. Yeah. It starts, it starts to find in the way you look at the world. It does. It really does change your worldview. So right. where we're at right now is the church has embraced a man-made tradition. They're adding limitations to God. Right. And just like the words of Jesus is that their tradition of man is making the word of God, what he, what, what we translated that to is of none effect, right? It has no power. The results that the word of God could have has been wiped out by the traditions of man. Yeah. With that said, let's go ahead and take a call. Let's see if we got one and you know what we do and it's our buddy, Pastor Richard Tater from McMillan, Alabama. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, Pastor Tater. You are on the line. Hello, Pastor Jonathan. It's good to hear from you again, Mrs. Tater. Hello, Pastor Joel. Oh, uh, welcome, Mrs. Tater. How's Pastor Tater doing? Oh, thanks for asking. He's doing better. We've been listening to the last five episodes, and I believe it is helping. I, I didn't know you archived these radio broadcasts. I've gone back and listened to all of them. Oh, that's awesome. I, I, I wanted to share with y'all that I've seen pastors say that they can't be wrong or people will leave their church. You, you, believe it or not, y'all, I've heard this myself from some very large ministries. And I think it may have hurt a lot of young pastors who would have been inspirational leaders to the church today. Well, anyway, this brings me to the real reason why I called. I, I listened to y'all's humility episode and, and wanted to let y'all know 
I feel terrible about how rude I was during my first phone call. It was wrong of me. I understand if you think I'm an awful person. Uh, an awful person? Oh, actually, we think you're an excellent person because you admitted you were wrong. I'll tell you what, Mrs. Tater. You are my favorite caller to talk with. Pastor Joe. <laughs> you are the most caring pastor on the radio. Well, this is my favorite podcast to listen to multiple times. <clears throat> well, God bless you folks. God bless you, Mrs. Tater. Wow. Thank you for the call, Mrs. Tater. Yeah. Wow. Thoughts, Pastor Joel? Yeah. I mean, holy cow, she she confessed she was wrong in the middle of the call. Yeah. It was amazing. It makes me wonder, why do we look up to others who admit they're wrong, yet we all think everyone's going to look down on us when we admit we're wrong? Hmm. And Mrs. Tater brought up an excellent point that the strict side is focused on appearance. Mm. The Pharisees also thought that they were worshiping God. However, their focus on appearance prevented them from answering questions from Jesus when Jesus tried to help them understand God's nature. The Pharisees refused to answer questions and explain themselves. And they were sure that everyone else was wrong. That is the sign of a deceived person. Wow. That is amazing. So Mrs. Tater brought the heat in, in a really good way this, yeah. this episode. That was awesome. Yeah, that was, that was amazing that she did that. It's so, you know, we kind of think that that's really easy to do. Just admit that you're wrong when you're wrong. Yeah. But man, when someone does it, it kind of it kind of takes me off guard because it's so rare to hear it is that I can, you know, I'm, I'm, it, it feels really good to look up to Mrs. Tater. Yes, it does. So let's talk about the other side of the argument, Pastor Joel. What, what is it? What's our, what's our loose perspective? Simply embrace the mystery, which is really another version of the belief that God's nature can't be known. However, the issue is these people rationalize why it can't be known to the point that they celebrate not knowing it. They celebrate not understanding God. Well, how have people been hurt by that perspective? Well, the loose perspective people, they are trying to not hurt anyone. However, they are hurting everyone, including themselves. And we've already covered Many examples in the previous five episodes. So I want to focus on how they're hurting themselves with this mystery claim. Mm, awesome. So the problem is every time the mystery concerning God is mentioned in the New Testament, it is always saying that the mystery has been revealed to believers. You can look at Ephesians 3 too, if you don't believe me. It says it right in there. So how would I approach someone who has this loose perspective well i could simply ask that person are you a believer and you know they'll probably say yes 
then the follow-up to there is just sharing on myself. The mystery has been revealed. Mm. You know, what I see in the Bible is that everyone who says that God is a mystery is actually proven they're not a believer. And, you know, if these people who say God's a mystery claim they worship God, I'd wonder what God they're actually worshiping. And is it possible they're an idolater? Wow. So in this loose and and strict perspective gets presented in the church, uh, what are your thoughts, Pastor Joel? Well, this, you know, what we've seen throughout all these episodes, even, you know, the previous five, even the, the whole entire backlog of archived episodes we have is, it all gets down to the why. Why do I believe what I believe? Mm-hmm. But I just want to, I think in the last episode, I covered Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. I want to cover that again here and uh, pull out something a little deeper. Because these verses say, thus says Jehovah, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he hath understanding and knoweth me, that I am Jehovah who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says Jehovah. So this shows that even in the Old Testament, the only thing God wants a person to brag about or to glory in is that they know and understand God, which implies God wants to be known. So the first question I would ask anyone is, do you think God wants to be known? So awesome. that's that's what I think about both the strict and the loose side in the church. Do you think God wants to be known? Mm. So how did the church go from bragging about knowing and understanding God to bragging about not being able to know and understand God. That's a great question. (laughs) Oh man. And I think we can see the, we can see the people in the church categorically who've been hurt by either side of this argument about, can we define God or can't we and having flawed definitions or no definition there's the people I feel sorry for. These are people who claim to believe in God and they can't define his nature specifically and attack others who do. Mm. And what we can see about these people is really they're unwilling to understand and know who God is. Then the next category people are the people I understand I understand why they do what they do. I understand why they believe what they believe. These are people who leave the church because of God not being able to be defined. So these people, unlike that first category, the people we feel sorry for, who are unwilling, these people are unable. They're they're unable to understand who God is, not unwilling. Nice. But these people have common sense. That's why they leave the church. It's like, this isn't healthy for me to be in here if people are telling me to embrace some mystery. That's hurting me. Nice. For example, PJ, mm-hmm. if I told you that you should buy uh, this new product on the market called the Swakowski 9000, and you should buy it 
because it'll make your life better. What would you do? I would say I'd probably start asking you questions to find out what it is. Well, what would you do if I just kept describing the effects of the Swakowski 9000? It never actually told you what it was. Because it really, PJ, it's amazing. The Swakowski 9000 is spectacular. It is the best product on the market. Wouldn't you want that? Uh, if I never understood what it was, then I would be insane to buy it. So I'm not buying it. Exactly. You wouldn't. No. <laughs> so how is the church any different? The church is trying to get people to buy something it can't explain. Mm. And these people have, these people that we understand have enough common sense to walk out. Man, it's like the, well, you know, the church is trying to get people. Yeah. To, I love that you said that, like the, the buy in, like buy something, but, but it's more than money. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, then what is more precious than your soul? Nothing. Right. So what is more difficult to do is to get someone to buy something or to get someone to give their soul to something. To a Swakowski 9,000. Yeah. Right. Why? Because it's awesome. What is it? Man. It's really cool. Why wouldn't you want something that's amazing? Whoa. So it's like, yeah. So it's like saying I'm going to have better standards for my money than my belief for things that determine the, the impact of my eternal destination. Yes. So do we understand why people leave the church when they're not given a non-contradictory answer to who God is. My goodness. Yeah. I, I, it makes sense why they would just walk it sh- out. It does. Yep. Yep. Then there's the people we look up to. These are people who know God can and ought to be defined and that it's the most important concept to define because it affects every other belief that a person has. These people we look up to, will accept the non-contradictory definition for God, regardless if it proves their current belief wrong. Well, notice the people we look up to, we haven't said they're the people who believe the same thing we do. Nice. We said they're the people who will embrace the non-contradictory answer, regardless of what they currently believe. Mm. So, Pastor Joel, will you give us the ultimate answer? Now we can say, will you give us the conjunctive answer? Yes. The conjunctive and, you know, based in truth, which means it's the non-contradictory answer for God's nature. God is always completely righteous and always completely just. This is God's nature. God cannot do anything apart from his nature. Why? Because he only has one. He's only, in his nature, he's only right and just. So God cannot have an effect for which he does not have a cause. 
Hmm. Right and just guide everything. Hmm. God does have choices. He has infinite choices within righteousness and justice. There's the conjunctive. Yeah. And this is actually stated throughout the Bible. Two of the most important times are Moses stating God's right and just. You can look at Deuteronomy 32.4. And we even saw it when Jehovah stated it about himself in the verses I just previously said, Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. So if you think about it, we actually did hint towards the answer in a previous episode. Mm. Why is the church, why is anybody blind to this answer? Mm. Right and just is the ultimate answer for God's nature. It is his identity. It is his causes. And this is doctrine. So what we mean by doctrine is it is the truth that underlies every context covered in the Bible, regardless of what I'm reading, regardless of the meaning behind what I'm reading. The doctrine is the underlying truth, regardless of the stories or passages I'm reading, which what that means to prove that out, God being right and just in his nature can explain the previous five episodes. Nice. So let me real quick do that for you. Yeah, let's do it. Love. We talked about God is love, right? That passage. Well, love is the ultimate effect of right and just. Notice if you give something of value without expecting anything in return, there's no way for you to be wrong or unjust. God isn't going to love if it is unjust that would be enabling. So even justice and righteousness guide his love. Mm. And for example, at one point, God told Jeremiah that God wouldn't hear Israel's prayers because if he had, he would have been enabling Israel to continue to sin. And it would have been his fault, right? Yes. So then it wouldn't have been love. It wouldn't have been right and just. Nice. So that's why God said, don't bother praying. Nice. The omnis. We covered the three omnis. So look at this. For let's just break down. Let's break down all three of them real quick. So what yeah. we can what we can see with God's nature now is the omnis are effects. So omnipotent means God can do anything that is right and just for Him to do. Nice. Omniscient means God knows all the facts, specifically everything that has existed or currently exists. Omnipresent means God can be present everywhere. Can be. Doesn't mean he's necessarily in everything. Mm-hmm. And for example, we, you know, it, it, would, it wouldn't be just for God to be in an unbeliever's heart. Nice. So that covers, we see how right and just actually helps us understand the omnis. Yeah, it's a li- it's a, it's like a limitation for for all of those right yeah and now sovereignty we covered a whole episode on sovereignty and we defined it as the non-contradictory definition is god doesn't answer to anyone however it is supposed to be comforting to know the most supreme being is always completely right and just Mm -hmm. which means it is impossible for god to lie Mm mm-hmm Because if this wasn't so, we would have a reason to not 
listen to God. We could argue, is he lying? No. So he could be, if he wasn't right and just, he could be lying and there would be no way for us to know. Nice. So righteousness and justice is what makes God, God. Not that he knows everything, but it's that his nature is right and just. Because we could have all three of the omnis. I could have all three omnis. I could be sovereign, but I could still be wrong or unjust even one time. Nice. What makes God, God is his nature being right and just. Not sovereignty, not the omnis. We even went through the names of God and talked about how people say, because there's multiple names, you can't define God. Well, here, what we can see is the names are all effects of God's nature. We can see how the names actually help us understand more of God's personality. More to the point, the names of God throughout scripture actually tell us more about the perspective of the person who's interacting with God than God himself. Nice. For instance, Jehovah Jireh, Lord's the provider, was used by a person who needed something. (laughs) That's great. Right? Great, yeah. Then we went through God's existence. And this really was was cool because it helped us break down the principle of causality, the difference between God's nature, God's identity, and God's character as personality. What we see, though, here with God being right and just, we know his nature. While we know God exists, we know God is real, yet he's also intangible. So what's the only thing that is real and intangible? Principles. Hmm. So in that episode of God, God's existence, we did say the big picture definition of God is the first cause. Now we see the specifics. Right and just are the first cause because they're the only causeless causes. There is no cause for the concept of right and just. There's nothing underneath right and just. Hmm. And we are aware that right and just exist even when things aren't right and just. Right. We can actually see this in the way that atheists argue against God's existence. What they often will say is, look around. If God existed, why is everything wrong and unfair? Mm-hmm. It's interesting as atheists, essentially what we see is they know God's nature better than the church. Mm-hmm. They're actually arguing for God being right and just. And the fact that the world isn't right and just is their proof that God doesn't exist. The problem is these atheists even have the man-made perspective that God would make everything right and just. If he was all powerful, based on this flawed belief that God can do anything, then he would make everything right and just against our will, regardless if we wanted it that way or not. Which would actually then make God's process for bringing about his will wrong and unjust, which is why we see evil in the world. Mm. so god's nature needs to be able to be non-contradictory in the what the why and the how every other explanation that only gives the what of god's nature 
all these other definitions were just effects. They weren't actually definitions, which leads to contradictions in the why and the how. So it's like saying God's nature needs to be able to be non-contradictory in the effect or in the result. It, it, uh, God's nature needs to be able to be non-contradictory in, in the why, in the reasons. Yep. And then God's nature needs to be able to be non-contradictory in the how or in the, the explanation for how these things come about. Yeah, the manner in which he behaves. Yeah, yeah sweet. And I actually, what we're going to do in this episode, what's going to be linked in the description is an animation that Pastor Jonathan and I narrated, and we some of our some of our fellow ministrants helped create. And uh, it is an animation called "God Wants to Be Known." What I would say that animation does is it's less than five minutes, and it essentially is a big picture explanation for everything we've covered in the in in all six of these episodes. Boom. So go ahead and watch it, share it if you want. But here's my final point for people to think about: No one on Earth has to be taught to want to be right and to get mad when things are unfair. Notice, having these two causeless desires built in every person leads to people either pursuing the one who is right and just or working in their own strength to be right and just. Mm -hmm comes down to God or idolatry. Do you think God wants to be known? Thank you, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for everyone who's listened. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.